0: Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. And one of their products that I use on a regular basis is their apple cider vinegar complex. And I use it to help support my energy, my blood sugar, and to promote good digestion. You guys have heard me talk about the importance of stomach acid in the past stomach acid helps us prevent against pathogens. So when we eat food, pathogens come in like parasites and bad bacteria. Good stomach acid helps kill those things. It also helps us break down protein and absorb minerals and different nutrients. Well, apple cider vinegar is one of the best things you can be using to help promote the right amount of stomach acid to be produced. And that's why I take this with meals. On top of that, the apple cider vinegar really, it's really good for blood sugar stability. See, when you have blood sugar imbalances, that can make you crash in the afternoon and cause your body to hold on to fat, especially belly fat, which makes you feel hungrier more often. You have cravings. Well, good news, you can actually take apple cider vinegar. Research has shown that it helps reduce the glycemic load and improve your insulin sensitivity. And that is really key for all-day energy. On top of that, it helps with weight loss by lowering your fasting blood glucose, by increasing your metabolism, improving your muscle performance so you can crush your workouts, regulating your appetite so you feel like you're in control and you're not just driven by your hunger and cravings. It also decreases insulin, and that's key because insulin is the fat storage hormone, and insulin, more insulin we have in our bloodstream, the more inflammation our body's going to produce. So, apple cider vinegar is powerful for getting insulin under control, bringing down inflammation, and helping you burn fat for fuel. So, what I love about the apple cider vinegar complex is it's a thousand milligrams of apple cider vinegar, about a, one and a half tablespoons. Of apple cider vinegar and then they also combined it with other warming herbs they have 300 milligrams of turmeric one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory herbs 300 milligrams of ginger and turmeric and ginger really synergize to have a powerful anti-inflammatory effect in the body they're also great for the digestion for gut health for stomach acid production there's also 150 milligrams of cinnamon in here we know cinnamon is one of the best things for blood sugar support and 50 milligrams of lemon, and lemon really is good for stomach acid production, bile flow it helps stimulate production of bile, pancreatic enzymes, so we can really digest our food optimally. And Paleo Valley, all their ingredients are all they're all organic, so no toxins in there, and it is really pure and it works, guys. So definitely check this out. You can go to. Paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15%. I know you guys will love this product. On this podcast, I'm being interviewed by my friend Leanne Vogel from the Keto Diet Podcast. And we had a great conversation. We talked a lot about melatonin, we talked about oxidative stress, inflammation, we talked about intermittent fasting and how to support the gut microbiome, supporting The keystone bacteria, acromanzia mucinophilia, and how to create a stronger, more stress-resilient gut lining. We talked a lot about hormones, about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and how to optimize these, how to detoxify your body. Guys, we went through so much. You're going to love this podcast. And just a little bit about Leanne. She is a certified holistic nutritionist and functional blood chemistry specialist who's been in the space since 2007, helping women use a ketogenic diet to balance their hormones. She specializes in addressing chronic root cause issues such as parasites, mold, and metal toxicity using standard blood work. Leanne is the international best-selling author of the Keto Diet Paperback, founder of healthfulpursuit.com. And the voice behind the longest running keto podcast, the Keto Diet Podcast. She works one on one with clients from all over the world, helping them understand their standard blood work and coaching them through their root cause issues. You can find her resources at healthfulpursuit.com. Leanne is a great resource. So check her out, Keto Diet Podcast and healthfulpursuit.com. And if you have not left us a review, now is the time to do that. Leave us a five star review. When you leave us a review, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. So be sure to do that and subscribe to our channel and share this with somebody that you know and that you care about. Thank you so much for doing that, and let's go into the show.
1: Hey, Dr. Jockers, how are you?
0: Great, really great to reconnect, Leanne.
1: Yeah, it's been a really long time. Um, Just incredible. Uh, I'd love if people haven't listened to our past um, episodes and things that we've done together. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I am a doctor of chiropractic and a doctor of natural medicine. Uh, I'm just really passionate about helping people get, get well. And I actually, I started a clinic in 2009. It's called Exodus Health Center in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I actually eventually sold that clinic, but they still do functional medicine and chiropractic care there. And I run a really popular website, DrJockers.com, that I started in 2012. Putting out, you know, what we well, what we try to do is put out the world's best health content, uh, making it super thorough, image rich, and um, really a great experience for people when they come to the site, so they can get information in a really, um, a, a really user-friendly way and a, a way that people can really enjoy reading through and um, digesting in-depth functional medicine content. And so it's drjockers.com. I also have a popular podcast that I've had you on, Leanne. It's called the uh, Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast.
1: That's great. And what's your favorite content to create? Like what's your absolute favorite when you sit down and you're like, oh, I can't wait to make X, Y, Z. What's like the one topic that really speaks to you right now?
0: You know, it's hard to say. Like, I'm I'm actually reading uh, Dr. Dale Bredesen, one of his new books. Um, it's like the end of Alzheimer's program. And so, as I'm reading that book, I'm like, I, I just get ideas. I'm like, oh, I don't have an article about beta amyloid plaque. I need an article on that. I don't have an article on ApoE four, right? The G, the genotype ApoE four. I need an article on that. So I just start reading. I like reading other people's books that are very knowledgeable. Um, I just read Ari e. Witten's book, uh, eat for energy. And so it's like, I start reading books and I'm like, I get ideas. Um, for example, we're putting together a really in-depth article on melatonin and how powerful melatonin is, how it's amazing for, you know, it actually can slip right into the mitochondria. It's one of those powerful antioxidants to buffer oxidative stress within the mitochondria. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, got a lot of powerful, a lot, you know, we think about melatonin, we, we just think, okay, it's sleep hormone, right? But it's anti-cancer, antiviral, um, you know, antimicrobial really helps regulate the gut microbiome, helps reset the mitochondria. I mean, there's just so many great benefits to it. So I just start reading Leanne and then I get ideas. Okay. In fact, I would say like where I kind of get stale is when I'm not reading books because reading for me um, and just doing research and reading Helps me be excited, and when I un- uncover topics that I want to go deeper into, um, I work with my writer and I create an outline and I look at I I go through a whole bunch of different studies and I create a detailed outline for for her, and uh, she ends up writing the article. But I do a lot of the front end research, and then after that, my team we set it up in WordPress, and then I go through it, I edit it. Um, I work with the graphic design team to create, you know, really good images for it, to make it real image rich and to just kind of add to the, um, to the, to the experience for the individual when they read it. And so I always feel like you don't really, you don't, you can't really master something until you can put together a really great piece of content and teach it. Right. So then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll then take, after we do the article, I'll take images from it and create a PowerPoint and then actually do a YouTube video. Right. Or I'll just do like a stand up, you know, with a videographer, just a YouTube video explaining that topic, because I really feel like that's when you have a level of mastery. And so whenever I I'm putting together a new a new topic, my goal is that that topic I can I can have mastery over and it can just kind of become part of my knowledge bank.
1: You and I are so similar in that way. Um, a friend texted me a couple of days ago and they're like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm going to read all the books on methylene blue I can possibly get my hands on and I'm just gonna go <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Um, so that's what I'm doing this weekend and then I'm gonna write an article on it and then I'm gonna make a video. And that's, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I process information the same way. Um, and melatonin, especially, I know that when I was studying nutrition uh, what was that like 2007 melatonin was one of those things that you just didn't supplement with a lot of people were saying that you could mm-hmm. become dependent on it that it was pretty dangerous and a lot of shifts and changes on melatonin over the last couple of years right
0: oh yeah for sure yeah exactly that's that's right had heard as well that because melatonin is a hormone that your body produces you know we're told okay if you you know, if you put in a hormone, right, and it's kind of like the testosterone research, you know, if if you're injecting testosterone, your body stops making as much testosterone, but not all hormones work that way. You know, for example, when people take thyroid hormone, it doesn't mean their body's necessarily going to stop producing thyroid hormone. Um, you know, and, and so it doesn't necessarily work that way. And with melatonin, supplemental melatonin can have tremendous benefits. And a lot of people, especially as they age, they their, their melatonin levels drop. Now, I don't think there's real good research out there. I haven't found any real good research where they take an older, you know, a, a, just a group of older people that have lower melatonin and actually have them get early morning sunshine, have them, you know, exercise regularly, have them eat a blood sugar balancing diet, and then turn off all the blue light in their homes, you know, in the evening, and wear blue light blocking glasses and do all the things to help optimize melatonin and then study them. So I haven't, I haven't seen any direct research like that. However, you know, what, when you do look at the research, it's pretty clear that as people are getting older, their melatonin levels are going down. And so supplementing with that has been shown to have pretty incredible benefits for supporting mitochondria, slowing down the aging process, um, really great for uh, cognitive decline really powerful for that. And and that makes sense because again, melatonin's really one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful antioxidants in the mitochondria that's not actually produced necessarily in the mitochondria, right? Because you've got catalase, you've got glutathione peroxidase, you've got superoxide dismutase, which are the three natural intracellular um, antioxidants that really help protect mitochondria, but but then melatonin's able to slip in slip into the double membrane of the mitochondria, and sweep up extra free radicals. And so, and that's super important because some people, you know, genetically are not, are not, um, you know, there's a lot of people that have slow uh, SOD uh, genes, for example. So, they don't produce enough superoxide dismutase. So, they get higher amounts of superoxide free radical, and melatonin can help buffer that. You know, there's other people have issues with glutathione peroxidase, right? So, there's different Based on our genetics, some individuals may not be able to buffer some of these free radicals as well as others, but melatonin is kind of the cleanup crew, right? Comes in there to help clean up, and so we want to get enough of that in there. And um, so, yeah, for cognitive decline, going back to that, the brain is—neurons are the most mitochondrial-dense cells of the body outside of the testes and the ovaries, so, you have something like, and, and it, it differs based on who you ask, but what I understand about 10,000 mitochondria per neuron, whereas your typical muscle mitochondria, it's like a 1,000, um, liver is like two to 5,000, somewhere in that range, same with heart. And, uh, but, so brain's got a lot more, so the more that we can support mitochondrial health, the better we are going to be as far as brain health. And whenever you see somebody with cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's, even, you know, that's uh, obviously an issue with neurodegeneration, all those conditions are mitochondrial conditions. So there are issues with mitochondrial dysfunction. So we know melatonin is going to play a big role there.
1: Completely. And I think it was in the book, Melatonin Miracle, I think, I think it was that one like you to so many books it starts to all get fuzzy um where um they were saying that that fuzzy feeling that we can get after taking melatonin i believe it was that book um can be because it's actually stimulating the glymphatic system to start mm. pushing out metals from the brain and so um i started putting a couple of my clients melatonin with a binder at the same time and it mitigated that fuzzy feeling the next morning have you seen that as well
0: yeah, that's super powerful and that's really good to know. There's, you know, Ari Witten was saying that there's a certain percentage like he for for example for him and he believes it's related to there's a genetic issue with it where there's a certain percentage of people that when they take melatonin, they feel more groggy in the morning. Like I feel great. Like it doesn't doesn't affect me that way. I get deeper, more restful, high-quality sleep. I've never taken melatonin and then like felt more groggy. So I've never had that experience. But according to him, there's a certain percentage, 20% or so, that may experience that, right? They just, they may, and they do better on melatonin precursors, L-theanine, different things like that, that help support it. Um, I haven't heard uh, that, you know, it's gonna, you know, cause really like, for example, if even somebody that doesn't respond real well with melatonin supplementation, if we're testing their sleep, like if they're wearing an Aura ring and they're getting, let's say, two hours of deep sleep, two, maybe three hours of deep sleep, we know they're getting some level of glymphatic function, right? So they should be able to sweep out damaged proteins, heavy metals, at least to some degree, um, you know, if they're getting that level of deep sleep. Obviously, if they're not, then they're not getting that brain drainage that they need from the glymphatic system. But... Uh, if they're taking the melatonin and they they don't respond as well, I can't say that it would be that it's pushing heavy metals more um, I don't know enough there you know i it's certainly possible it's also possible if you took the binder that the binder may have depending on the binder may have grabbed up some of that melatonin so they may have had less of an effect Does that make sense so I'm not sure um but You know, if you're if you're seeing that, if the person's responding and they're feeling better, uh, could be a positive thing.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, I use mostly carbon-based binders. Um, so I don't have to worry so much, like necessarily, depending on the person and all the things, about um the melatonin being swept up with a binder. But I, I have seen that and I think it was a melatonin miracle. I'll have to look and then I'll include it in the show notes. Um, another fun fact about melatonin and not a lot of people put the two and two together, we've talked about uh, mold exposure a little bit on the podcast and oftentimes mold can bring down melatonin. And so while we're talking about melatonin and such, if you've been exposed to mold can also have some issues there. Yeah, Um, totally. Now, You mentioned hormones and just like that fear of supplementing with hormones. I'd love to just kind of go there since we've been talking about understanding hormones and melatonin production into, you mentioned testosterone. I know a lot of people come to me and say, my doctor put me on estrogen. Should I be on this? I'm fearful. My other doctor says it's bad for me. I'm going to get cancer, blah, blah, blah. Um, What are your thoughts on bioidentical hormone replacement and its time and place? In a person's life
0: yeah i think bioidentical hormone replacement can be very very helpful for people for women going through perimenopause and menopause i would recommend uh having a dutch test and seeing what pathway what estrogen pathway is being metabolized before they do that i don't know if your audience is familiar with the dutch test it's basically a dried urine test for comprehensive hormones and you can see because there's different pathways with estrogen metabolism And so, if you are metabolizing estrogen into, um, I'm going to butcher it, but it's the 2-hydroxy-16, or 16-hydroxy-estrone, I believe, um, then, or estradiol, I can't remember exactly, but if you're, the higher the number, so you're going to see a 16, you're going to see a 4-hydroxy-4, those ones... Are sending out a larger growth message. So estrogen is a tells the cells to grow, and it tells you know it, it's stimulate. It's very stimulating, and so we want a level of stimulation there, but we don't want too much growth because especially as a woman's going into perimenopause and menopause, you know we're not trying to grow a baby, and so um, so we don't want too strong a growth message, and there is. You know, the two hydroxy um, metabolites of estrogen are more of a, they're more of a toning toning level of estrogen that's very healthy. And so if you're getting bombarded by too much strong messages of growth from estrogen, that can be a really big problem. It can lead to breast cancer, fibrocystic breasts, uterine, ovarian issues, things like that. So you do want to get a Dutch test before you just start, you know, throwing hormones in there. And there are nutrients that you can take. Sometimes people aren't methylating well, so they need more B vitamins. Sometimes they need things like methane. Sometimes there's toxins, you know, that are, that are really contributing, creating a high production of quinolones that are causing major free radical stress. And so we've got to reduce the toxicity. You know, you mentioned mold, heavy metals, um, xenoestrogens in the system, things like that. So binders, you know, you mentioned carbon binders, so fulvic acids, uh, humic acids can be really helpful for helping pull those things out, zeolite, um, and get those toxins out. So that is a good, so I'm not against bioidentical hormones. However, uh, it is important that somebody understands where their hormones is, hormones are as a baseline. And then also trying to address root causes. So like with men with testosterone, testosterone replacement can be helpful, but I always try to look at like, okay, why is this person's testosterone down to begin with. Now, we know when when a woman's going through perimenopause and into menopause, it's very natural that their hormones are going down, right? Because, you know, their ovaries just stop producing the same amount because they're not trying to grow a baby. With men, certainly, you know, we're going to have more during reproductive years. However, men shouldn't have like a a really big drop in testosterone. That's typically going to come from insulin resistance, toxicity, Um, it's just a sedentary lifestyle, things like that. So, um, so we want to address those root cause factors. If that person has insulin resistance, we want to get them doing intermittent fasting. We want to get them on a lower carb diet. We want to get them, um, exercising, building muscle, particularly weightlifting, weight training. Like, I mean, for me, I weight train regularly and I tell my wife, like, certainly like I, I enjoy the physical benefits of it. But even when we go on vacation, it's like, I have to find weights, heavy weights to lift. And she's like, why do you have to do that? And we have young kids. So sometimes it's like an inconvenience because <laughs> I'm like, I have to go lift weights. I got to go find this gym. And she's like, you look great. Like, why, why do you have to do that? Why, don't you, why can't you just take a day off? I'm like, really? I do it for my mental health more than anything. And so I just feel mentally so much better when I'm lifting weights on a regular regimen. And uh, And so – and that's really the testosterone. Testosterone plays a huge role in dopamine production in the brain, really helping balance those neurotransmitters. And most men are not lifting weights. And men were meant to lift heavy things. And so that's super important for testosterone production. So I try to look at kind of root cause factors and address those. And so sometimes doing that in conjunction with bioidentical hormones, I think that's really the the, the best route to go. And, and oftentimes things can be addressed symptoms, unwanted symptoms, quality of life can be addressed really with just the lifestyle factors. Sometimes bioidenticals are not not needed. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to let you know that if you are a coffee drinker, I have some critical information you need to know. You see, coffee is the number one source of antioxidants people are consuming all around the world. It's rich in chlorogenic and caffeic acid, which are polyphenols that stabilize your blood sugar, support gut health and improve your brain. And they also stimulate autophagy and deep cellular healing. So coffee has many amazing health benefits, but there's a dark side to coffee. It often carries mold, dangerous mycotoxins and is heavily sprayed with pesticides that lead to chronic disease. It's also acidic, causing stomach issues, and many have to stop drinking coffee as they get older because it irritates their stomach lining. That's why I started drinking Life Boost Coffee. I wanted something that had all the health benefits with none of the mold and chemicals found in regular coffee. Plus, it's a shade-grown coffee, which is naturally a low-acid coffee that doesn't hurt my stomach. And they have hundreds of testimonials of people who couldn't stomach traditional coffee who can now enjoy coffee on a daily basis without any digestive discomfort. They also third-party tests for 450-plus toxins, including mycotoxins, molds, heavy metals, pesticides, and even glyphosate, just to make sure it's the cleanest, healthiest cup they can provide to their customers. I also really like these guys because they build schools for their farmers' children near the coffee farms where they harvest their their coffee beans. And their corporate sponsors are the Rainforest Trust to prevent deforestation and protect wildlife. They really care about the environment. And because you're listening to my podcast right now, you can get 50% off your first order by going to www.lifeboostdeal.com. Dot .com that's lifeboostdeal.com they are again shade grown low acid clean and free of toxins and they taste amazing just go to lifeboostdeal.com to get 50% off now
1: completely and so you mentioned the dutch test and somebody listening is probably like well why isn't blood work enough to monitor my hormones you know my doctor runs all my hormones and they're willing to do that with blood why is that not enough
0: yeah. So blood is really looking at it like at one point in time. And whereas the Dutch is looking at it like over a, over a 24 hour period of time, cause you're collecting that urine. And then also there's metabolites as well that the urine is, te- is, is checking like cortisol and cortisone. It's looking at how these things are being metabolized. And so you get a lot more data from that as opposed to blood, blood, you're just getting like one point in time. And depending on how you slept that night, you know, there's a lot of different factors that are going to address, that are going to affect it. Like for example, cortisol, <clears throat> you're always going to have a little bit higher cortisol in the morning. So if you're testing, if you're doing your, your blood work fasted in the morning, like most people, you should have a little bit higher cortisol. Now, where are those reference ranges that they're coming up with, with uh, cortisol? <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure, but they might be those reference ranges might be middle of the day or something like that. So it might look like your cortisol is really high in the morning when it's actually should be slightly high. And if you get your cortisol done, you know, in the mid afternoon, right? Or the evening, it could look, or if you get your blood work done and you're looking at cortisol, it could be really low at that period of time. It could look low, even though it's, you know, your morning cortisol is normal range. And then as it goes out throughout the day, it starts to Gently decline because cortisol is very much an awakening hormone. So you're gonna have higher amounts of it in the morning, and then it's kind of gradually uh, comes down as the day goes on, and then kind of goes to the its lowest point uh, right right when the sun sets, right when when it gets dark, and that's what allows for melatonin to be released, and so we can get really good sleep. So timing plays a really important role, and that's why with the Dutch, you know, you're doing it over the course of a day, so you're gonna get those. Measurements and the metabolites. Hmm.
1: And you mentioned the metabolites earlier. Um, you went through, I think, the 16OH, 4OH, and 2OH estrone. Um, what influences these metabolites? I think you touched a little bit on the um, B, uh, B vitamins. You know, methylation specifically. Um, but are there other things that kind of shift that those metabolites to the way that you want them? Which sounds like the 2OH estrone.
0: Yeah, for sure. So insulin resistance is a big factor. So just making sure that our blood sugar is stable. And I know Leanne, you talk a lot about this. Blood sugar stability is really critical for all hormones. And if we want optimal hormone, an optimal hormone synergy, right? Because different hormones are going to be released different times of the month, uh, depending on if a woman's cycling, if they're, even if they're in perimenopause, just before menopause, Um, so, so different hormones are going to peak and valley throughout that whole period of time, but one key way to know you're going to get the right hormone synergy is keeping your blood sugar very stable, keeping your insulin levels very stable. So that's another thing we want to look at on blood work is we want to see where your hemoglobin A1C is, where your fasting insulin levels are. I like to see hemoglobin A1C which is basically a measurement of glycation where, blood sh- where sugar binds to red blood cells and actually damages the red blood cells. And so it's called glycation. So you don't want more than 5% of your red blood cells to be glycated. Now, there's a lot of people walking around with hemoglobin A1C, 5.6, 5.7%. And their doctor says, oh, that's great. That's, that's a really good measurement. But we wanna get it to you know maybe 5.2 or under, ideally under five uh, is really optimal. So that's a sign of very good blood sugar stability. And then we also want to see that you're fasting insulin. So you should be fasting, let's say 12 hours overnight before you go in for this blood work should be under six, right? So you're going to have some level of fat of insulin, maybe like two or three or four, but I like to see it under six. And that's a sign again, that your body is not overproducing that insulin. When you overproduce insulin for some women, they produce a lot more estrogen, particularly more of the 4 and 16 hydroxy estro- estrogens, which are, again, those stronger growth signaling estrogens. And for other women, they may not get as much of a rise in the estrogen or those estrogen fractions, but they'll get a large rise in testosterone and they can develop a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a, a, a syndrome that's that is characterized by insulin resistance, so high fasting insulin, and high testosterone and then the women start to form these cysts oftentimes cystic acne can go with that um it would those are common that they kind of go together so keeping your blood sugar stable exercising regularly eating a nutrient dense high protein healthy fat diet right that's super critical um whether it's a keto diet doesn't necessarily need to be a keto diet, but it needs to be a blood sugar stabilizing diet. And I know Leanne, you talk a lot about that in in your podcast. So I'm sure they can go back and look more at more details there. Um, exercise, critical detoxification strategies, getting out in the sun. I mean, that's so critical. So you get out in the sun. Like I just, before this, I just went out, it's beautiful out here in Georgia. And, uh, I like to get sun in the morning, midday, and then in the evening. So I go for a walk in my neighborhood and it was, it's beautiful out, so I just take my shirt off um, and get as much of that, of the UV rays, as well as the near-infrared, which are going to be higher in the morning and also at sunset. So as the day goes, you know, towards noon, as, you, as it pushes towards noon, you get more of the UVA, UVB, which are known to produce vitamin D, of course, right, and kind of get more melata- melanin synthesis, so you get, you know, the tanning effect. Um, and they obviously they can also be damaging if you get too much in the morning, you get more of the near and far infrared that is really powerful for reducing inflammation in the body can have a really positive effect on our hormones as well. You know, most people, you know, this is like an ancient proverb. It's, it says, if you want to be happy and have an energy filled day, wake up and watch the sunrise. If you want to sleep really good at night, watch the sunset right? And so it just kind of, it's it's a feel good proverb, but I think that there's actually physiological sense there as well, that in that you're getting a lot of these far infrared and near infrared rays. When you're watching the sunrise and the sunset, you're getting red light as well. Um, All those have powerful anti-inflammatory hormone optimizing benefits. So that's another great thing. Get moving, get sunshine, ground your body. So get out Bare feet, grass, dirt, sand. I took my walk around our neighborhood bare feet today. There's free electrons that come from the ground, right? And so I know you're in you're in Florida or the Bahamas, right? So you're on the beach, getting a lot of free electrons that come from the ground that help neutralize uh, free radicals in the system. I always I always consider grounding where you're again getting your bare feet on grass, dirt, sand, kind of like um, showering from electromagnetic frequencies that we're all exposed to with our cell phones, with computers. You know, all of us are exposed to that in this digital world. And the way that we can help help detoxify or help shower, just kind of give ourselves a daily cleanse is getting out, reconnecting with nature, whether it's going out in a forest, being around trees. We call that forest bathing, which is actually a therapy they use in Japan. So they take these guys out of the city, these these businessmen out of the city, and they have them spend a week in a forest, living in a little hut, going out in the forest every single day, for their mental and physical health, right? They should be doing that here, but they're getting all these free electrons by doing that. And we can do it, you know, if you don't have a forest right next to you, just go out, hopefully you've got grass or dirt or sand or something like that, um, that you can just stand on and you'll get those free electrons. So that's another powerful thing that's helpful. There are also different polyphenols and different compounds that are helpful when it comes to your diet. Like for example, with estrogen metabolism, Cruciferous vegetables, particularly broccoli sprouts, um, are very high in isothiocyanates, which are these compounds that help with estrogen metabolism and help bring it down that two hydroxy path. They're also high in folate, uh, which is a B vitamin that's necessary for methylation. So broccoli sprouts, you know, broccoli, all your different cruciferous vegetables obviously you need vitamin B12 as well. So having good animal protein, having good stomach acid to be able to absorb the animal protein, super critical. Um, cause with the animal protein is going to come your vitamin B12, your absorbable form of B12. So that's critical. Um, there's also vitamin B6 that you're going to get in plant and animal foods, right? Vitamin B6, vitamin B2, zinc, zinc is also very important here. Um, and of course, zinc, you're going to get primarily from animal foods, wild-caught fish, pasture-raised eggs, grass-fed beef, organ meats, things like that. A lot of people are very deficient in zinc. We learned a lot about that with COVID, for example. Zinc is very important for um, vi- you know reducing viral replication, but it's also really important for progesterone production for example for optimizing that estrogen to progesterone ratio it's also really important for testosterone optimizing testosterone production too so uh so zinc is really key so eating good foods sun sun exposure getting your body grounded exercising regularly um, positive mental attitude right keeping your stress under control optimizing your sleep quality all those things super critical obviously you can also take supplements There's many out there. Um, for example, one really common one that, that a lot of women will take, particularly if on that Dutch, it's showing high 16 hydroxy and four hydroxy to kind of uh, shunt that into the two hydroxy, uh, estrogens is diendol methane DIM, which again is you, you, you get that in your cruciferous vegetables. That's part of the isothiocyanates with sulforaphane, indole-3-carbinol and DIM. They kind of all come together. And so, but you can get, you know, concentrated supplemental form and that, that can be really helpful. Um, there's other supplements like black cohosh, for example, there's black cohosh as well as dong quai, some of these other herbs, wild gam, things like that. Some of these herbs help support progesterone, but they also help, a lot of these help support, um, estrogen receptor activity and helping the estrogen receptor, um, function better, and have a greater affinity to, uh, to the estrogen in our body, right? So we're getting more of the expression. So those, oftentimes those three black cohosh, um, wild yam, and dong quai, as well as like different types of ginseng, Asian ginseng can be marketed for women going through perimenopause menopause for optimizing estrogen and progesterone, Um, and it's not that they like boost production. They may a little bit, it's more of a, a modulating of the receptor where the estrogen that you are producing, the progesterone that you are producing, the body is able to uptake it better. And so you feel the benefits, right? Like black cohosh, a lot of, a lot of women that have hot flashes, for example, which is common when, you know, you don't have enough estrogen production. They, um, they oftentimes feel a lot better. They see really good improvement there. So that can be key. Um, let's see, am I missing anything here? Fiber can be really key. Um, calcium d is another really good one because, you know, Leanne, I don't know if you're running a GI map test. I know you've gotten really into functional, functional health. The GI map will show. Yeah, I
1: love those things. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So there's a biomarker called beta glucuronidase which is a marker for basically the bacteria are breaking down uh, bad estrogen, or they're basically breaking down, your liver is breaking down estrogens and trying to shunt them out through your intestines. But bad bacteria will actually create this enzyme beta glucuronidase, which will reactivate estrogens and basically cause them to get back into the bloodstream. And so we want to keep that marker under control. Calcium deglucurate will do that. It will help to bind and grab that and and help pull that out of the system and that's critical um so you'll see that in a lot of supplements that are marketed for female hormone health is calcium deglucurate. and then obviously taking something like you know you obviously want to optimize your gut microbiome so probiotics oftentimes a lot of people get really good results with that sometimes there needs to be some cleanup right whether it's cleaning up uh fungal uh overgrowth that's in the system mycotoxins you know and, and mold overgrowth uh could be parasites things like that so if if there's a high infectious load if there's a high pathogen load in the system oftentimes we'll see really high beta glucuronidase and taking the calcium D-gluc- D-glucarate will help, but it's not really getting to the root cause. So you want to address the gut microbiome and support it there.
1: Completely. I, I go to the beach every day without fail. And oftentimes I'll like bury myself in the sand. And I went with a friend the other day and she's like, what are you doing? You're yeah. like a child. I'm like, I'm getting free electrons. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so There cool. you go exactly just like bathe in it so i (laughs) love your analogy of like the the showering It's so true just like getting all that stuff off um now you mentioned cleanup um what's your favorite cleanup supplement mine is personally like if i had to choose one probably bioxidin because it does so many different things Mm -hmm. what would be your like go-to
0: yeah i mean it's a good question like like a binder or antimicrobial you pick so biocidin, of course the antimicrobial so it doesn't really matter um that's a good question you know we have one it's called bioactive carbon metchem that we use that is really good good re- you know there's some good uh research on it pulling glyphosate out of the system really well um it's ba- it's a carbon based so it's you know it's got the fulvic humic acids in there it's got Um, what does it have in there? Broccoli sprout in there as well. You know, we talked about that for the, uh, the DIM. So that's in there as well. And so it's really good for metals for, um, for chemicals, different things like that. And then when it comes to killing bad bugs, um, you know, oil of oregano actually works really good. Um, so oil of oregano works great trying to think. You know, I'm not actually working with clients as much anymore, but we've got a bunch that we use. Um, Let's see. Mimosa pudica. I don't know if you're familiar with that one.
1: Love it. That can
0: work really well as well. Yeah. So that's like a sticky substance that's really good, especially for kind of larger parasites like hemoliths and stuff like that. Worms. Be surprised how many people have a lot of these things. And that's a really good one that kind of sticks to them and helps pull them out of the system. So that's a great one. Neem can be really good. Clove, right? Those are good ones that I like. Garlic uh, can be helpful there as well. Um, And then one thing that I've I've liked to, especially recently, try to kind of work towards is more of like a toning effect in the gut. So for years, I was using lots of antimicrobials and things like that with binders. And you can get really good results with that. Um, I like a, a toning effect as well. So I've been using, uh, bovine serum. What is it called? Uh, immunoglobulins, right? BSI bovine serum immunoglobulins, which are kind of specific binders in the gut that really pull out specifically not good for, you know, if you're trying to pull chemicals out, that's not the one, but if you're trying to pull out bad bacteria, right? Um, that's fantastic for it. So it works really, really well. Um, And then trying to tone with some probiotics and optimizing like stomach acid, uh, pancreatic enzymes, bile, things like that, uh, I think are all super critical. That's really your body's natural way of getting rid of microbes, bad pathogens, is having optimal stomach acid, optimal bile flow, um, good pancreatic enzyme production, and then having good immunoglobulins in the gut mucosa, right? So kind of supporting all of those things. I think is super critical. I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you how important your immune system is and how it protects you from viruses, bacteria, parasites, and other pathogens. You see, your body was created to overcome the challenges from the environment. However, you must be an active participant and work to make your body stronger and more resilient to stress. And that is why I created our 10-in-1 ImmunoCharge Formula because it's designed to help you do that. As I was studying the immune system, I found that there are critical nutrients that really support your body and give you more immune modulating power. These include things like quercetin, resveratrol, vitamin D, vitamin A, selenium, zinc, vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine, vitamin K2, and magnesium. And I used to supplement with all of these. I was taking 14 different capsules to get all these critical nutrients. And that is why I designed a product called ImmunoCharge. I actually put all of these nutrients in their clinical dosages that actually work in your body, that are research-based, and all you have to do is take four capsules a day. So I take two capsules twice a day to help strengthen my immune function, to help keep inflammation under control. And so this really works and it really helps. It's called ImmunoCharge. You can actually get 30% off by going to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash immunocharge. I-M-M-U-N-O-C-H-A-R-G-E and use the coupon code immune30 at checkout to save 30% off on immunocharge. Whatever you do, you've got to take, you've got to do everything you can to keep your immune system as strong and healthy as possible so you can be resilient, to the different environmental stressors you face, ImmunoCharge is there to help you with that. Again, go to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash ImmunoCharge. Use the coupon code Immune30 at checkout to save 30% off today.
1: Yes, completely. I've been doing that more and more. Uh, with my clients of just more coaching up the body than just throwing antimicrobials and binders and all those things at it because that's effective but it can take a lot longer and you're not necessarily coaching up the pieces of the body like I mean I've had multiple clients clear parasites literally just focusing on mitochondria like let's just get the mitochondria better And all of a sudden they're passing worms. And I'm like, this is so cool.
0: (laughs) That is awesome.
1: That's so good. It's so good because then you're so much more effective and all those herbs and things. I mean, it can throw off the balance, especially if you're not doing a GI map and watching things really carefully and, um, just far more effective. Now, You mentioned oxidation way, way long ago. Um, What's the role in inflammation? I'd like to get a little bit more into inflammation with the little bit of time that we have left together to just drive that piece home and understanding how inflammation can affect this overall system um, and some of the steps that we can do and things. And maybe a lot of what you already touched on addresses inflammation also, but could we just kind of tie that in with the inflammation piece and oxidation overall?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think about oxidation, I think about rusting, right? Just like a piece of metal when it's left out in, in, in nature and the water gets on it, it will start to rust or an apple browns. That's really what oxidation is. So it's kind of this internal rusting or browning of the of the body. And then inflammation is actually an immune. So oxidation is a normal kind of natural part of life. Um, however, and oxidation actually makes us stronger because it's a stressor on the system, that our body, when it's under a good, when it's in a good environment, right, and it's got everything it needs, it adapts to it, and it creates stronger, um, stronger uh, antioxidant defense systems, right? Better at producing glutathione, better at producing superoxide dismutase, things like that. So it's all very, very helpful. Inflammation is a reaction that our body has to help protect, protect itself from pathogens. We know that pathogens. Have killed more people throughout the history of mankind than anything else. For example, you know, when people, you know, our ancestors, when they died, typically, like even if they were, you know, in a war, they typically didn't die from, you know, being stabbed by a sword or a spear. Oftentimes it was the infection that got in from the flesh wound. So we used to have infections that would cause pneumonia and people would die from pneumonia like crazy or meningitis, things like that. Nowadays, we, we, that's, not common for normal, healthy people, elderly people, maybe not help normal, healthy people. Part of that is because our body has created this inflammation response and inflammation's job is to create this massive immune response to protect against pathogens from getting into vital organs and killing us quickly. And so thankfully with our, with our inflammatory system, we rarely die from a lot of these infections. However, we do cause a lot of collateral damage. And so now, really, our goal with functional medicine is toning the inflammatory process. It's normal. It's natural. We need it. It's part of the healing process, part of keeping these pathogens under control, but we have to tone it. And so the first thing we've got to do there is, again, keep our blood sugar stable. We already talked about that. We also have to heal the gut. And so whenever there's chronic inflammation in the system we know it's related to leaky gut, meaning that the gut lining, which is only one cell wall, has become damaged. And now large proteins, bacteria, pathogens are now seeping into the bloodstream and they're driving up inflammation. When our barriers, so we also have a lung blood barrier. We have a blood brain barrier. We have a skin blood barrier. Whenever one of these barriers is damaged, we drive up inflammation. So, you know, if you get a cut on your finger Obviously, that's going to burn, and then, you know, and that burning is part of that inflammatory process. We can see it. We can experience it. You don't see damage. You don't see a cut in your gut lining, but you may experience it, and, and really, you don't have pain receptors in your intestines, and so you don't typically notice gut pain. You typically are noticing it with inflammation in other areas of the body that were, you know, with that inflammatory process is driven up, because of the damage that that took place in the gut. And so we've got to heal the gut. So intermittent fasting is really a powerful strategy for that, where you compress your eating window, and it might be to eight hours, or 10 hours, or six hours, right, where you're only eating your meals, let's say in an eight hour eating window from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That gives your body a time to heal. The gut lining, even though it's only one cell, which makes it very vulnerable, it actually, those cells heal very quickly. And so if we can give ourselves time, 12, 14, 16 hours without any mechanical stress coming through there, that's gonna give us some time to start to heal the intestinal lining and kind of reseal it. And so oftentimes we might need a little bit longer fast, right, in fact, um, one thing that I do, I have a history of irritable bowel that I had in my early 20s. So one thing I found to be really powerful for me is I typically am doing most days, like a 16, 18-hour fast, but then one day a week, I do about a 24-hour fast where I eat lunch, usually on Wednesday, and then I fast until lunch on Thursday, and it's like a great, really great reset. When I'm doing that, that allows for the intestinal lining to heal. It also allows for my gut bacteria to diversify. So when we're eating all the time, we're primarily feeding the primary feeders, and we have primary and secondary feeders in our gut microbiome. The secondary feeders live deep in the gut mucosa. The gut mucosa is the immune component of the gut. And so uh, one of the main strains there is called acromanzia mucinophilia. Mucinophilia means mucus loving, so it can eat the mucus. It also loves polyphenols, particularly things like ellagic acid, which we find in pomegranate, cranberry, muscadine grape, things like that. So when we're eating every few hours, the primary feeders get overfed and they crowd out the secondary feeders. And we actually get a thinning in our mucus lining. And this is what most people are doing, eating every few hours. When we take that time, like the 12, 14 hours overnight, we allow for a trimming back, almost like uh, like the way the, the example that I use is that I have an apple tree and a blueberry bush in my yard. And the apple tree, every year it grows and it's, its branches and leaves crowd out the blueberry bush from getting any sun. So now the sun can't shine in the blueberry bush. So if we don't trim the hedges on the apple tree, we don't get any blueberries. Well, it's kind of the same thing. We've got these primary feeders in, in our gut microbiome. We've got to trim them back. So we need time without food so that some of their population dies off. And now that allows room for these secondary feeders who can live on the uh, the mucus, right? So they don't necessarily need food coming in. And when they eat the mucus, they actually stimulate the goblet cells in the intestines to produce more mucus, right? Produce more mucin. So they actually create a, a thicker, healthier mucus lining, which again is the first line of defense. In our intestines from any pathogens that's where our secretory iga our immune component is so critical that we have healthy mucous membrane so that really allows for acromanzum mucinophilia and these other secondary feeders to thrive and it creates greater diversity and all the microbiome researchers out there say you know if there's one thing we know looking at the microbiome we've been studying it now for you know 15 20 years is that the diversity the amount of different types of species is, is shown over and over and over again with lower rates. When you have larger diversity, lower rates of inflammatory disorders throughout your body. And so um, getting that diversity, intermittent fasting is one of the easiest ways. Another way is obviously eating a lot of, a variety of different types of foods, particularly foods that have an astringent. So a lot of people will say things like, you know, eat asparagus, eat, you know, all these high fiber, high, prebiotic foods, and those can be helpful. What I found is the astringent flavor has is very rich in oleic acids and oftentimes other compounds like anthocyanins, resveratrol, and most people avoid astringent flavors. In fact, a lot of fruit has been hybridized to take the astringent or kind of almost like the sour dryness out of these things. So like apples, if you have you know, apples used most, almost all apples used to taste kind of a sweet sour combination, like a Granny Smith apple. Now they're hybridized, and I mean everybody loves them. I love you know a sweet apple every now and then, but that's not actually as beneficial for your microbiome. It's higher in sugar, doesn't have a lot of these powerful polyphenols in them, as the more astringent flavor. So pomegranate is very high in oleic acid, one of the best things for your microbiome. When acromansia, for example, eats oleic acid, it produces something called urolithins. Urolithins actually stimulate uh, mitophagy in your enterocytes. So the intestinal cells, they have mitochondria. The mitochondria, the damaged mitochondria have to be broken down and turned into new healthy mitochondria. That's called mitophagy. So urolithins will actually stimulate that process and that creates a stronger, more stress resilient- Intestinal cell, stronger, more stress resilient enterocyte. And the stronger and more stress resilient your intestinal lining is, the less inflammation you're going to have in your body. And so um, the, the breakdown of oleic acid, which again we find in pomegranate, cranberry, strawberry to, to a lesser degree, raspberry to a lesser degree, muscadine grape, which I was excited to find because we have a muscadine grape vine in our yard. And if you ever try muscadine grapes, they don't taste like your store-bought grapes. A lot of people don't like them because, again, they're stringent and they're like a – like you notice a little sweetness and then boom, they hits you with the sour. But that's that oleic acid, resveratrol in there, right? Things like that. So, those can be some of the best things to, have, to be consuming to help support the microbiome. They're also low FODMAP typically. Um, so, for people that have like bacterial overgrowth, typically do fine with those. And so they can be really, really supportive. Fasting and then a diet with a lot of variety, including some of those astringent uh, flavored foods can be really helpful. I know I went on a tangent there.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And I'm sure everyone listening loved it too. It's so great. Uh, Dr. Jockers, thank you so much for just sharing your brilliance with us and going through hormones and inflammation and so many of these key pieces, including just giving us valuable steps. You know, a lot of the times we listen to podcasts and it's like, this is great information, but what do I do? And so you guys have a bunch of lists of things that you can incorporate and just pick one. Um, and roll with it and and benefit your health overall sometimes it goes beyond just your macros and that's really what the keto diet podcast is all about so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your brilliance with us
0: awesome thanks again leanne thank you for having me and I just appreciate you so much and all the great things that you're doing well that's all for this show and i want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.